The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. All right, good morning, everybody. You are listening to Good Morning New York, and I'm Vince Rocco, your host. And it is uh, Tuesday, November 15th. 2016. I'd like to welcome our listeners from the United States and around the world. We have special guests here in the studio today. They're a multifaceted family design business, which spans from New York to South Beach and across the pond to London. So we're going to get to talk to Merrill and to Joy in just a little bit. But first, some news items. Um, so the election happened last week. Donald Trump upset Donald Trump's upset uh, presidential victory on Tuesday sent ripples across financial markets and shocked the country's political establishment. But the city's real estate industry, where the Trump family made its fortune, remained unshaken. Several industry executives predu- uh, predicted a Trump presidency would do little to unpen years of rising real estate prices, foreign investment, and favorable tax breaks. Among the concerns of a Trump presidency were promises he made during the campaign to stop the offshoring of American jobs, a pledge that his critics said could lead to trade tariffs and stop the global flow of capital and investment. Foreign investment firms have been some of the biggest buyers of large real estate assets in the city here, and wealthy overseas home buyers have helped spark a boom of ultra-luxury uh, housing development. This novel, this book, will continue to be written, and we will be covering any changes to the New York City marketplace going forward. Manhattan's residential landlords are offering concessions at record levels as rents remain flat and inventory continues to rise. Just under 24% of all Manhattan leases signed in October had some type of landlord concession, which marks a high of at least six years. By comparison, just over 10% of Manhattan's leases signed in October of 2015 included concessions, according to a new monthly report from Douglas Elliman. In Brooklyn, 12% of leases signed in October had concessions up from 8% in the same time period last year. The idea of closing the Rikers Island Correction Facility has been around, according to city's records, since at least Mayor Koch's term in the 1970s. But New York City has come a long way since then, firmly populating itself with some of the world's most prized and valuable real estate. The argument to close the facility remains today, but Politico reports uh, out that while the charge is led by a human rights interest, it's also bolstered by a real estate one. A number of uh, major New York City real estate players are eyeing the island for luxury condo and rental buildings. That would be very interesting. New York's Governor Andrew Cuomo is hot on seeing the island become part of LaGuardia Airport, where the governor just introduced $4 billion to overhaul that dated airport. According to the latest batch of marketing reports, mortgage rate denials were down in 2015, but minorities continue to struggle with landing a loan today. Developers are placing big bets on Gowanus in Brooklyn, and Lower Manhattan's young professionals are flocking to its biggest residential buildings. More than half of the residents in Lower Manhattan ages 18 to 44 live south of the World Trade Center in 12 of the top 20 largest buildings in the area. After years, decades really, of mere talk, the 2nd Avenue subway is due to make its long-awaited debut at the end of the year, and like other areas of the city that have been huge, 
neighborhood changing projects come their way, like the High Line, for example, the line's arrival will almost certainly affect real estate prices on the Upper East Side and Yorkville, but how? And that this is an ongoing topic of conversation we've had on this program for, for many weeks. We will be tracking those numbers and reporting them as we see the changes. All right, so let's get on to our special guest today. Uh, we are here with Meryl Santo Pietro Interiors. And as I said earlier, it's a multifaceted family design business which spans from New York to the South Beach area in Florida and across the pond to London. Meryl has a tremendous following because she listens to her clients. Isn't that a novel thought? <laughs> and delivers a unique design suited to their lifestyle. Her educational background reflects her commitment to art as a fine arts major, uh, advanced studies in art history at the University of California at Berkeley. Berkeley, uh, certificate work at Rhode Island School of Design, and ASID membership. Merrill's portfolio ranges uh, from classical and traditional to modern and contemporary. Her flexibility in styles enables her to satisfy a diverse, high-profile clientele with the most discriminating taste. Above all, she is passionate about her design work and committed to her loyal clients. Joy DiNapoli is an attorney by trade, brings a unique perspective to Merrill's uh, business. Upon graduating from Suffolk Law School, Joy practiced, that's where I got Long Island from before, Joy practiced <laughs> corporate law in New York, focusing primarily on matters in the financial industry. After years of working as an attorney, she yearned for a more creative role to express her passion for design and love of all things glamorous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she is glamorous if you see Very. her. Thank you. The, <laughs> the role of Director of Business Affairs allows Joy the opportunity to utilize her uh, legal background while pursuing the more creative role she desired and she's added uh and the added bonus is working with her mom and her sister, who is not here today. All right, so a few months ago, they noticed a definite shift in the industry in the luxury condo market. And based upon this, they commissioned and collaborated on a research study directing trends in the real estate market in an effort to assist developers increase sales and forecast the most important real estate trends. They are going to share this with us today. So first of all, good morning, and thank you for coming. Good morning, Thank Vince. you, Vince. The weather today here in New York City is rainy and nasty, and boy, all of us had issues getting here, and I'm still soaking wet. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about that. So, you know, the fascination here in New York City with with uh, new development condos and, and also lately with these uh, new buildings going up as uh, luxury rentals. Everybody likes brand new. Everybody is interested in turnkey and everybody wants, you know, to be the first person who lived in in this particular apartment. So what what did you find when you started looking into uh, the background of these new development buildings and what, what, you know, made you come up with a plan, so to speak, to uh, help developers increase their sales in some of these buildings? Well, you know, I'll, I'll start. We, we definitely noticed that, um, you know, the developers were not really able to get the kind of um, buyers that they had originally planned. Um, we often call those our best buyers um, because, you know, New York is very unique, Vince. It's it's a city that has, you know, many wonderful neighborhoods, fabulous luxury condo buildings and rental buildings, and all of those buildings have incredible amenities. So it's it's a very competitive market and you need to stay at the top of your game. And and what we were finding was that, um, you know, the design work that, that the uh, developers were using for these, you know, spaces was a little bit too idiosyncratic and not really having that universal appeal that it needs for today's buyer. Today's buyer is very sophisticated. Okay. 
So when you're when you're discussing these uh, design elements or components, you know, with developers, and I've worked with developers for many years, and I know yeah. how they can be. You know, how how do they decide on what the style or the or the look is going to be for a particular model home or for a building in in, in general? Well, sometimes what process do they go through to come up with? I guess is what I'm asking to come up with the final layout and the final design of it all. Okay, well, what's really important to the real estate market today is that all developers want to work with very high profile and, um, you know, very uh, well-respected and renowned architects. So they... Star architects, as we call them. Exactly. (laughs) So they set those wheels in motion, and then oftentimes those uh, architectural firms are going to have in-house design firms, and they're going to put a look together. Okay, for a particular space. Um, other developers have their own design f- teams that that they use, and they reach out to them to put these looks together, which they can be on point with with some developers, um, like Ian Schrager, whatever you know looks he puts together. They're very on point. They have a very aspirational appeal. They, as Joy would like to say, it's a transcendent design that even though it might be not your personal taste, you're going to react to that space in a very positive way and feel, yes, I want to live here. I want to buy this property. Other developers tend to water it down and seem to get a little... um, a little more confused in the process and 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 try different looks that they think may be good because they see them in magazines but what is necess- not necessarily shown in a design magazine is is a look that's clean and simple that's going to translate to buyers and you're a real estate agent and you know less is more I've learned that through the years because, you know, as we were talking about before the show started, you know, I could look at an empty room and figure out, you know, what should go there and where it should go, et cetera. I have that vision to kind of place things where they belong. Uh, And even if I walk into a crowded room, you know, filled Mm -hmm. with furniture and stuff because someone is already living there, I can still kind of, you know, map it out for myself and and put my stuff in place uh, over theirs. But most people uh, do not have that vision. And at the end of the day, um, they rely on the professionals to help get them there. And that's why, you know, businesses like yours, you know, flourish. Even outside of the new condo development arena, I mean, everybody needs help with something for the most part, because, you know, you walk into some of these homes. And even when I take a listing and I walk in and I think, oh, my God, what am I going to do with this place? It's a disaster. It's a mess. Mm -hmm. And you got to turn it around quickly. Declutter. Or stage, or you know, in some cases, empty out and start again, because you're never going to get the prices necessarily that they want. So, continuing on our conversation with the new development stuff uh, before we go to break, you know, so when when you give these developers these plans and these and these details as to how, you know, um, and and whether it's with a star architect or whether it's it's not uh, for the whole building, are they generally receptive? Because I would think that developers don't really have a good sense of you know style. Well, at least th- the ones I've worked with. I think they are, and I think that's really because um, we really see. Um, demand increasing to, you know, a uh, um, period similar to 2012. So I think these developers are in um, a very unique um, position where there's so much 
competition now. We know that by the end of 2017, there's going to be a five-year surplus. So they really realize that they're having to make creative changes, that they're really having to, to work to get buyers in ways that they really haven't had to, say, in the past three, four years. And so I think that makes them a lot more receptive to our um, suggestions, uh, ideas. So I think it's um, it's a very unique time right now. You know, this five-year or so surplus, uh, you know, and, and, and again, it's, it's very real and it's very valid because, you know, at some point, you know, things do get overdeveloped. I have to imagine that in addition to um, good design and, and making, you know, homes look, you know, livable, there's got to be some pricing, in, you know, action in there as well. Do they talk to you at all about prices? Do they think that what you, you make their apartments look like, make them look beautiful? Do they think they can hold these prices where they are and potentially increase them? Or do they think, you know, design is design and price is price? Because, again, I've sort of been in the middle of both. A little of bit of both. And, in fact, we try to come to them because we see so many times that if it's one particular layout that's a little tricky, they'll they'll drop those prices. And so we want to come to them preemptively because we want to show them creative ways to, you know, stage that, you know, um, tricky layout, that, you know, kooky room design as ways to um, to preemptively sell them so they're not left with that one hard to sell line and then having to drop prices because what we try to you know um, share with them is that they'd be spending a fraction to furnish it rather than to drop prices because they're not going to drop it by one percent they're going to drop it by you know five six percent so. I want to talk when we come back from break a little bit more about, you know, the quirky de- design sometimes of some of the, the floor plans. And typically, and I sold four or five buildings over a six-year period as on-site sales director. So I have a good understanding of, you know, what buyers want when they come in and good understanding of design and good understanding of working with designers because all of my homes, you know, were modeled and and um, and made to look beautiful. But oftentimes we had a quirky um Floor plan, and it's usually like the last mm-hmm. stack to sell. Exactly. And in in one particular case, you know, I remember it was like a T shaped, you know, one bedroom, and you walked in, and straight ahead was like this big, an extension of like the foyer, but no one really understood what to do with it. So you know, the first team that came in, we just kind of decorated, you know, the living room, the kitchen, the dining room, and it was really beautiful. But when you walked in, you had this big empty space, and I mm-hmm. said to the developer one day, I said, "Now listen." So everybody wants to know what is this space? You know, we called it a, a you know a, a, an overflow either a dining area or a, a bedroom if you want to put up a little wall because there was a window there, or an office or something. I said my suggestion would be that you make this a little bit of an office or a little bit of a mm-hmm. sitting room, and so we did that. And immediately after doing that, it's like a wasted space. It's nice space, but yep. people walked in, you know, and looked at it and thought, well, what do I do with this? You almost have to tell them exactly, what to do with it. Exactly, that's exactly. Yep, you have to yes. really yes, that's the key. Define spaces for people because they really can't envision things. They really, and if they see this blank, empty space, they're not going to know what to put there. So you need to think of what would be the most enticing thing for a buyer, and then you need to create that for them. And it was it was 
really almost comical because it was so easy to do. We put a little mm-hmm. writing table in a chair. We put a laptop on top of it and, uh, and, a, and a comfortable slipper chair on the side of yeah. it with a nice little area rug underneath it. And people walked in and thought, well, this could be an extension of a foyer now, or this can be this little office where I can yeah. do some writing or, or work on my computer, or, wow, that just looks really nice. It's like, you know, doesn't take much, but until, you know, we did that, People would walk into this, and oh, by the way, that line started selling pretty quickly. I yes. think there were four or five of them in the, in the stack. And the line started selling quickly, so it comes down to just being a little creative mm-hmm. and, and you know, out there and say, all right, you are confused with what this space could be. Even little alcoves in rooms, you know, where there's little indentations definitely, and stuff. Definitely, definitely. Exactly. Figure out what to put over there, and exactly. all of a sudden it changes the whole look and feel of the room. All right, we are going to break. You are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. The best part of being a real estate agent is in serving my clients, not just their transaction. This includes sometimes advising them not to sell if it'll improve their quality of life. Once a client decided to move out of New York City to get closer to family and they were inclined to sell, I convinced them to lease their home instead. They were shocked that I was willing to take a smaller commission for a smaller project, but after a couple of years, their home nearly doubled in value. I'm John Harrison with CORE, and this is what I do. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back. We're talking to Meryl Santapietro and Joy DiNapoli, I'm sure. All right, so my question is, you know, when you guys get engaged with developers, you get engaged in buildings, you know, we're talking about lobbies, we're talking about apartments, uh, and Meryl just brought up a good point during the break. You know, when people walk into an apartment, it's almost an immediate, I want to stay here and look around, or I don't. Give us a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit more about that. In my experience, it was it was unbelievable, actually. Actually, you know what, Vince, you're correct. Um, it's it's startling how quickly people are going to determine whether they like mm-hmm. what they're seeing. You've actually only got four to seven seconds. So if you're not hitting the mark there, guess what? They're tuning you out and they're not really interested. And it doesn't matter what amenities you have, it's not gonna it's not gonna sway them. And that's why I go back to that point where you need to think about the location of the building, the type of buyer who would be the best buyer for that particular building, and design the space 
according to what that buyer is going to be thinking in their mind in a sense, you know, are they an architectural digest sort of reader? Are they a house beautiful reader? You've got to really kind of zero in on those things because you need to create a space that as soon as the door opens, they think, yes. Yes, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be anything about their own personal likes. It just has to convey the glamour and that kind of like uh, almost like a like a sex appeal to oh yeah, uh, this would be great for me for my life to live here. Let me ask you something because you use the word sex appeal, and I used to use the word sexy sometimes. Mm -hmm. In in a few few years back, I used to have managers say, "No, you can't use that word. You just you know you're going to get yourself in trouble." I'm like, "No, (laughs) there's nothing wrong with it. A place needs to look sexy." So, how do you define what sexy is when you're when you're looking at a plan? You're looking at a quirky floor plan, and you need to make it look sexy, or you need to have sex appeal. And when people walk in, they say, "Hmm, this is working for me." What? How do you come to? how, How do you get there? I think it's creating a nice neutral palette, but it's always having that design um, element that's a little bit glamorous, that's a little bit um, you enticing. Pu- it's things that they bit. wouldn't necessarily pick for themselves, but when they see them, they immediately love it. Yeah. What's trending today in 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 design? You know, because I see lots of stuff that sometimes looks the same when I go yeah. to all these new development mm-hmm. buildings, and then sometimes I'll see something that's way off. The charts, but but like a wow, you know that's mm-hmm. really nice. What's trending today? What are, what are people wanting to see today in their fresh, as I call them, brand new homes? When they walk into a model in a new development building, what are they really really looking for? I think you're wanting to see more color. Actually, I think people are kind of done with all the grays and the neutrals. They're wanting to see some more color, not you know, um, overpowering color, but nice you know. Um, carefully placed color. I think they're always looking for um, texture, be it either wall coverings, beautiful fabrics. Um, I think very strong, simple furniture. Mm -hmm. Furniture that... um, you know, is the comfort is a is a huge factor, but they want clean, simple um, design, so that when you place that uh, particular fabric or you use that particular wall covering, those things take on an almost kind of sculptural effect. And also, the most important part to to really great staging that you want to do for your buildings is adding in the right artwork. Mm-hmm. You actually find these properties, the the um, the level of design is really escalated by adding in the right artwork. You know, it's it's very interesting, and and I would say that's that's probably the most important element when you're looking at staging or mm-hmm. or designing uh, an apartment and I just recently staged something uh, for one of my um sellers he didn't want to pay a designer to come in and take care of it so mm-hmm. I did it and you know I I joke with friends and family sometimes that if I didn't become a real estate agent I should have become a designer mm-hmm. because I really sure. love it and I yeah. can do it really well but one of the things that were missing in his apartment was artwork I mean there was just no artwork and I started there and then yes. I kind of built upon, you know, whatever I needed to do, got rid of stuff, yeah. added a few things. 
but it really started with the artwork because yeah. as you said also joy you know the the not bold colors but just he had no colors in the room mm. it was blacks and whites and grays and it was kind it was of dull yeah yeah it was dark and we were looking at over a million dollars for a one bedroom so i said to him look you know you want your price but it has to look like a million dollars and so for me right. i thought it started it was going to start with the wall coverings and some artwork and I'll never forget, he was traveling around the world somewhere. I can't remember. I took a video of on, on my phone of the place when it was done. Mm-hmm. I got it done in like three days. And I sent it to him, and he said, wow. Are I you sure? Are you, <laughs> are you kidding me? Is that my apartment? I said, yeah, that's your apartment, and you can't stay here anymore. <laughs> it sold in two days. Oh True gosh. story. This yes. just happened this summer. Two wow. days. Exactly. Exactly. The results yes. are amazing. And, and it was on the market for three months before that. Exactly. That's why we both say transcendent design. Be a little bit bolder. Yes. Think in a more sophisticated Mm -hmm. design manner, and that's what's going to sell properties. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So when 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 clients are faced with uh, a choice, let's for example, contemporary versus traditional. Where are you know? I'm probably more traditional. Mm -hmm. um, But where are people falling these days on on what side of the fence? Contemporary, traditional, contemporary. Contemporary. contemporary, contemporary. Um, I think, it, I think I don't think they're looking for anything too stark, anything too modern. I think they still want to look for furnishings that look comfortable. Nobody wants to sit in something that looks like too uncomfortable. A spaceship. You know I, mean, I mean, I look too, at some of these things modern, sometimes yes. and think, really? So I think it has to, you right. know, convey those you know, those feelings too as well. So it's comfortable, uh, and, and then, inviting, yeah. but still and clean and modern. I think an important, um, you know, point about New York City's in, in the condo developments, and this would trans, translate to other big city developments too, is that, um, you know, you, you, you know, scale is very, very important. Mm. And y- you need to have... Scale is everything. The right scale, the right proportion, less is definitely more in these spaces when you're ch- when you're creating that transcendent design. When you're talking about scale, it, it, it scale with the artwork on the walls, yeah. with the furniture, with the carpet, everything has to be sized. Lighting, everything. Everything. Yeah. everything. It's so important. And it's better, you know, Vince, not to clutter up the spaces with lots of things you know, on on every flat surface, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. that's not a good thing because um, the chachkarellas have to go. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be the number one <laughs> tip. Would just be take everything away. That and just that interferes judiciously with put things back. That. No, it does. It does. And I also tell people sometimes when when you know there isn't need for design because their mm-hmm. homes are fine to right. to list and sell. But I do tell them to declutter stuff like. Personal photos, yes. oh yeah, and and trees, whatever yes. that they're around, because right. people walk in and they, they they feel like they're they're cluttered and there's yeah. no space to breathe. And and I can you know years of doing this, I just look at people's facial you know oh, uh, reactions, yes. and and when they walk in and it's clean, mm-hmm. they feel, feel calmer. yes mm-hmm. much calmer, and they feel much better, and and it's almost like they're that they can walk again. You know when they see too much. <laughs> going on they it's just freeze true. it's right. true and yeah. i'm like would you like to see the bedroom <laughs> <laughs> would you like to go in the kitchen yeah. you know they they can't catch their breath they if there's cannot. too many things they cannot all right we have a couple of minutes left and, and before we go uh tell us about your company and and wh- what your specialties are and what you would like the listeners out there to know about your design family business 
Well, you know, I personally have been in business for more than 25 years, and I had the opportunity in 2010 to relocate my my business here to New York City. And um, you know what, Vince? It was the best thing I ever did. Twofold, because um, obviously it's an incredible environment to work in. I have um, actually incredible clients to to work with, experiences in the design world that I would not have have had elsewhere. But the very best part of that is, is that I was able to work with my two daughters. And Mm. when I saw my business really taking off, I brought in my other daughter, who's not here today, Alessandra, who was... um, an apparel designer with Ralph Lauren on on Madison Avenue. And then when things really escalated, hey, we needed somebody who, uh, you know, had different thinking and we brought joy in and she's really taken our business to a whole new level. All right, on that note, we have to say goodbye. It's <laughs> short. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Meryl Santabietro Interiors. Look them up. I forgot their website uh, on my page here, but uh, look them up. They're here in New York, and as I said, they work all over the place. Guys, thank you, Meryl. Thank you, Joy. Thank you. Uh, and come back and see us again. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to break. We'll be right back. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, real estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back, and we're here with the panel. Louise Phillips Forbes is here with us today from Halstead, Nile Lundgren from Compass, and Deborah Hoffman from Town Residential. So, we survived last week's election. We survived mm-hmm. uh, a very quiet, in my, my case, very quiet open house weekend. But uh, here we are, Tuesday, the 15th of November. How is everybody? Good. Good. Excellent. Everything's, Thanks. we're all moving I forward. I got my voice back. Doing well. <laughs> Feeling good. A little rainy forward. today, but that's all right. Well, the, the, mm. it's just nasty out there today, and it took me, you know, very long time to get here. And I don't live that far away. And really, for the first time in three years, um, it was a struggle to to get a taxi, which I couldn't. Then I got on the train, and that was a bad experience. So crowded, everybody dripping wet. 
But you know what somebody said yesterday on the news, we really need the rain, so let's have it. And I like it when it rains in New York City. It cleans everything up. That's yeah, true. I agree. It cleans I everything agree. up. All right, let's get on. Let's get into it. So, in spite of Airbnb's very public, very expensive battle against the new rules, last week Governor Cuomo signed new legislation making it illegal to advertise an apartment for less than thirty days on the short-term <laughs> rental platform. The New York Times reported this. The new legislation is an extension of laws that have been on the books since 2010, banning short-term rentals in apartment buildings with three or more units, but creates a way for officials to directly prosecute the host directly prosecute the hosts themselves. All right, so why are people still trying to illegally rent their apartments from a short-term basis, a weekly basis? I mean, you know, when, when you – and we've talked about this so many times on this program, but, you know, you, you look at the opportunity, yep. and, you know, people are looking at the fact that they can make a lot of money, you know, whether you do it by the night, the week, the, the short-term month here and there. But it really is not good, and it really is not legal to do that in New York City. So why are people still trying to do this? Now, I, I actually uncovered a situation not too long ago in one of the buildings I sell in all the time. I can spot them. I saw them wheeling in their oh, little, yeah. their little uh, suitcase on the wheels, and I'm like, mm-hmm. So I said to the doorman, where are they going? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean – it's one thing to talk about where people own their own homes, whether it's a uh, condominium, a co-op. Uh, but I've come across many situations where my largest client, who owns 8,000 apartments, and I convert a lot of his buildings, he has rent-controlled and rent-stabilized individuals that make two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars $300,000 a year on churning and burning those two or three nights a week, and they yeah, are yeah. paying way below rent. Yeah. And they are almost untouchable because the courts protect the tenants, mm-hmm. which in in principle, I am always an underdog dog girl. Me too. But, um, mm-hmm. but this is, you know, really unacceptable. And I think that this step that Cuomo has made um, is going to make a difference to sh- get rid of the riffraff. Listen, the speed limit's 55 miles an hour, but people go 75 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. That That is why, is because people believe they can get away with it. Um, also, I, I when I moved to New York City, I, I, live, I rented a room from somebody who owned their apartment. So those are opportunities where people can supplement their their expenses as an owner. Mm-hmm. But some... I think Airbnb is takes advantage of that situation. What I was going to say too, I think it's really important to understand. I guess you know we, how we live in New York City. We talk about vertical neighborhoods and multiple people living on one floor, for example. If you live in Connecticut or New Jersey, you know you have your freestanding home. If you want to rent it, you could do whatever you want. But I think a main concern that I see personally is in my building. There's a there's a guy who rents an Airbnb, and like you said, Vince, you see the people coming in and out, strollers. I mean, it's like a one bedroom that the kid has, and there's six people walking in the door. It doesn't it doesn't really feel safe. I'm a six foot one male. And, you know, imagine what it would be like if you were, if you were anything other than that. I mean, or even that, it it doesn't even matter. It's just the safety aspect of it. it, Who, what are those six people doing? Are they there for just travel or could they be knocking on doors within apartments? I just think it's very unsafe. But you see, but that's what I, what I worry about sometimes too. It's the integrity of the building as a whole. Yeah. When you have strangers coming in, you know, we all live in buildings. We've been in New York city for many years, you know, it's our sanctuary, whether it's our lobby, whether it's our elevator, whether it's our building. You know, we're comfortable. This is where we live. We know lots of people in the building. Yeah. Uh, certainly not all. But, but you know, when, when strangers are coming in and out, in and out, it's like ha- in a house. You know, it's like having strangers coming in and out of your house. How uncomfortable does that make you feel? Because, 
it's it can be very serious situation. Yeah. But I think part of the problem is the people who are renting out empty apartments, an extra apartment they might have, or even their own apartment. I've known for years, for over 20 years, people who rented out rooms, as Louise said originally, on a long-term basis. But for people who are living in their homes, they're just renting out a room on a short-term basis, I don't think that's the target and I don't think that's as much of a problem. It's when exactly, people, I agree. Yeah, it's when people are renting and unfortunately I do know a number of people who are not kids anymore who that's how they live. They are living in rented rooms mm-hmm. and it's part of our lifestyle. So it, it's, it's part of the high-rise mm-hmm. lifestyle here in New York as I call it. All right, let's move on. So, you know, we, we always talk about new condo development buildings, pre-construction condos, meaning, you know, you're buying off of floor plans in some cases, you're buying out of a sales office, the building is not even complete yet, uh, but you're wowed and you're dazzled when you go in and the salespeople are just showing you, you know, photos and, and views, et cetera. What should you look out for in an offering plan when you're when you're sitting in a sales office and you're trying to decide whether I should buy that apartment, sign that contract, and then wait a year? before it may be yeah. finished or three or three <laughs> uh, what what do we what should buyers really be looking at when they're trying to make their decision and and Louise I mean you've done so much I you know you can write the so, book but <laughs> so I mean I think there are a tremendous amount of perks that go with new development um, opportunities first of all the time value of money and people have witnessed um, mm-hmm. a tremendous amount of wealth building by being at the right place at the right time and being prepared to take a greater risk by going to contract in a building that has just been launched. The issues, um, and, and just to look at 2015 numbers, our median price today is $1.1 million and new development the median price is $2 million. Mm. So it is incredible, incredible the opportunity. Um, I will say one of the impacts of new development is the resale market, which we might talk about that on another another show. But um, <laughs> I think every offering plan in the very beginning of um, – the front pages, there's something called the special risk, which will disclose everything from where your lot line windows are, not being allowed to sublet your apartments um, until the sponsor has sold all of his units, not being able to resell your homes. Like, let's say you wait three years to buy and close, but you get relocated <coughs> to go to London. You can't sell your apartment right. unless it's out of the... have had situations where I've approached the developer to say, I have a circumstance, would Mm -hmm. you allow? Sometimes you can get that, but it can be difficult to, uh, it's really at their discretion. I also think that the history and the track record of the developer and their integrity, uh, because I've represented a lot of developers and I feel grateful that I have a developer that I am his face and I know that if he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. Because sometimes you don't have control over it. And, no, absolutely um, not. So quality of construction is also something that is one of the greatest risks that we, because remember, these are our relationships that we are matching them to these great opportunities. Mm-hmm. But you can't control um, the quality of the construction. So that's where somebody's track record is imperative. You want to say something, Deborah? Go. No, I, I was just going to agree with you. That is one of the things that people skim over. And I think there have been, <clears throat> excuse me, more lawsuits on not just the quality of the construction, but the kind of the finishes. Yes. If the model apartments have certain finishes, certain brands of appliances, 
the offering plan has to be checked thoroughly to make sure it doesn't say, or something similar, meaning right. this brand or something <clears throat> similar. Um, I, I, <clears throat> I did a lot of on-site selling through the years, and I remember, I'd say a good, you know, 10% or, or maybe even more would actually sit and read, the buyers I'm talking, not, not their attorneys, but buyers would actually sit and read cover to cover. And some of these offering plans are hundreds Three of pages. Inches. Yeah, yes. exactly. So, mm-hmm. you know, there are people who want to make sure that, you know, all the, the, the language is correct and not necessarily only, you know, trust their attorneys. But I had many, many, many people, mm-hmm. actually a couple of them actually sat in my office and went through the entire offering plan. And of course, you know, you, wow. you think, wow, that's pretty Bring serious. dinner. Really. You know, I'll also say that, you know, I think the attorney general, uh, and again, what individuals don't understand is that when you're dealing with a, a developer, he is not bound to the same, uh, well, sorry, he's probably f- um, held to a higher standard mm-hmm. than an individual seller. Mm-hmm. So when multiple bids happen and people are offered higher purchase prices, you know, often the sponsor can't send out multiple contracts because they have to conduct themselves a certain way that protects the average Joe. Whereas if it was my seller that's just reselling their home, I mean, this is one of the perks I feel that, you know, attorney general really does not look fondly upon complaints by Mm -hmm. individuals about Mm -hmm. not being treated properly. Mm And um, I do think there are attorneys that try to take advantage of that um, by threatening the the possibility. Yeah, have the have the water. I've got my green drink. Deborah's over here choking to death. Um, Asthma. But I I I do think that that um, attor- the attorney general will hold the sponsors accountable today. But they're not going to deal with things like quality of construction unless somebody has actually cut corners, you know, you know, illeg- illegally or have for um, not installed windows properly mm-hmm. because they um, you you see a number of buildings that end up in lawsuits because they are they are deficiencies. Yeah, and you know, just just for those out there who aren't aware of you know the attorney general's involvement in these buildings, that process can take a long time between filing complaints, between getting the sponsors on board. Oftentimes, the sponsors or the developers are long gone, building is up before issues like poor quality show up, uh, and then it, it's a long process to get settled. In one of the buildings that I'm very familiar with and that I sold. Um, <coughs> For years in brand new uh, development, they are now going through a, a, a quality of build situation. And I don't want to get into the details, but um, so you know the developer probably will be sued, and I'm sure it's, it's going to go to the attorney general at some point if need be. Um, you know, and these are all things that you know uh, happen when when you're building new buildings. Uh, people oftentimes worry about, oh, I don't want to buy an old building. I don't want to buy, you know, pre-war, you know, the too many issues. Well, you can have the same issues with new development. So it, it's it's more an aesthetic, I think, than it is a, a quality of, of, of building because on both sides of the fence you can have issues and then you, you don't have to have issues. So it really depends. Right. But the attorney general process, I just wanted to say, was, you know, a lot longer uh, to to get through. And also, you know. As we're going through the sell process, if they want to make changes in pricing, that all has to go up to the attorney general's office too. So, you know, they're involved, you know, when they need to be, and then they're not involved when they don't need to be. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, we will come back with the panel uh, right after these messages. Don't go away.
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com I've been a real estate broker for 14 years, and I really believe that success in any business happens one happy customer at a time. A client once told me, Maggie, you're going to be my broker for life. And I really take a lot of pride in that. When you exceed a customer's expectations, you know you've done a great job for them. You've gone above and beyond. They're going to give you repeat business. They're going to refer you to their family and friends. It means that they really, really trust you. I'm Maggie Kent with CORE, and this is what I do. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. Voiceamerica.com. listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back with Louise Phillips Forbes from Halstead, Niall Lundgren from Compass, and Deborah Hoffman from Town Residential. In a city where the median rental price for studio is well over $2,000, it's not surprising that many renters need a little help to qualify for their apartments. Traditionally, if a renter doesn't make at least 40 times the monthly rent or their income isn't consistent, say in the case of a freelancer uh, or a consultant, landlords will require that they have a guarantor, and that guarantor needs to make 80 times the monthly rent and is legally bound to pay the rent in case the renter defaults themselves. Usually, the first person a renter will look to for a guarantor is a parent, but what if your parents can't do it or don't want to do it, either because they don't make enough money or they're retired, for example, or they have a credit score under 700, uh, under 700 or live out of the country or out of state? Where can they go? Who else can be guarantors for these First-time renters, new renters. Yeah, that's a great question. That's always a big challenge that you know renters face. They they're slapped in the face with, hey, you know, people got to make this much money, and it's shocking or alarming in a lot of cases. So there's an education process first that needs to happen. After that, um, if the parents can't do it then there's generally a family member or somebody that they have as a close friend. A lot of times people can find somebody who would do it. If they can't, there's other options. You can use a service called insurance, which is acts as a corporate yeah. guarantor. You pay them a fee. If your credit is decent, it's roughly one month fee. And then they act as your guarantor. Of course, the building has to approve that. Um, some buildings do work with insurance. Some buildings don't. don't. Um, the other way is, let's just say, you know, your parents are, are in China and you can't find anybody, you don't know any here domestically. Um, the building doesn't allow insurance. A lot of times, and this is a final option, is people will pay the whole year up front. You know, that's that's always um, a last ditch resort. And I've done that, you know. And we've I've done that a couple too. dozen that's, times. That's You've seen really that. been the best <laughs> Money talks. option. Yeah. Yes. And and also when I'm working with my uh, large 
building who owns 8,000 units, my client, you know, we often will take, if they don't have the full year, yeah. we will take four, he wants five months up mm-hmm. it, it, as a deposit Secure, yes. because of the process of evicting. I just did that, and, yeah. And yeah, so just thinking that yep. that is in that, and then you have the end of the year. They're not going to be using that rent those last five months for mm-hmm. rent. You have to keep the cushion because of how the eviction process is. 100%. Unfortunately, yeah, we discussed that last week. Yeah. But yeah. I'm going to just make a little pitch here, talking about um, uh, you know the cost of renting and uh, what I have done in many cases is I have worked with my clients to actually take a look at the possibilities of buying and working with a parent to co-buy where a parent, instead of guaranteeing a rent, where they will actually become the institution and they make the mortgage payment to the parent. Um, Anyway, it's it's pretty fascinating that it's actually cheaper to own than it is to rent in 42 states in the United States. Mm -hmm. So I'm just making a little pitch for purchasing. I, I listen. I was going to say the same thing because in this town, believe it or not, you know, you can rent an apartment, you know, anywhere, and it's it's usually a very quick process. But in New York City, to rent an apartment can sometimes, oftentimes, be a lot more difficult than buying. And so in this marketplace, when prices are right and interest rates are still low, it is th- absolutely the time to buy if you can if you can do it. All right, this year's presidential face-off may, in fact, be the most contentious we've seen on the national stage, but some New York City co-op elections make the Hillary and Trump competition look like preschool. <laughs> Often the most heated board elections have to do with an upstart who wants to make a change in the building. Okay, there's always one of those. <laughs> Among the most hotly debated issues are changes to pet policies, for example, redesign of the lobbies and or hallways, and maintenance charges. How hot do these elections Get in co-op buildings. Let's let's leave the condos out for a bit. Let's let's talk about co-ops. I, I we it's so funny that we were just talking about this outside yeah. for the show. Mm-hmm. I have been consulting a number of boards. I have five boards right now that I am working very close with the board members on Fifth Avenue. We just had a quote unquote coup where oh, the go. board literally Love it. asked the board president to step down because oh, Jesus. he. He has wanted. Uh, listen, it's a thankless job. With you know, to be fair to this individual, oh, I agree. Yeah. he believes that he is operating with the best integrity and the best protection. But it, you know, he has implemented. You know, there are these individuals that are purchasing new homes that haven't been renovated in sixty years, and he wants to keep a summer rule where you can only do construction in the summer, and if you go over 120 days, he wants to charge them. So these new families that are so excited about their homes, so excited about being a part of a community, are being charged thirty and forty and $50,000 for and, and privilege they, the of privilege of, of improving their asset. And yeah. it just was not speaking for the body of the building. So they had to literally have a, a, a coup to say, we no longer want you. And they got a vote and everyone did a petition and signed off. And they changed that rule. Yeah. In addition, on Park Avenue, you have these all-cash buildings mm-hmm. where the new blood that's come in over the last decade doesn't want to have – it. Just it's just uh, these policies of not allowing individuals to finance were a way to discriminate. They still are 100%. a way to 100%. discriminate. Um, that being said, you know, if the masses want to change, then you have to respect that. And so – 
you know, at 1100 Park Avenue has been a hundred, an all cash building since its conception. And today it is a 50% cash building, which opens up the pool of buyers for mm-hmm. those owners. Absolutely. It's not only the pool, but it's also many people who are there as inheritance laws change and estates laws change, many people would like to finance for tax purposes mm-hmm. or to be able to put the apartment and everything they own in a trust. We're starting to see a lot of that in some of these buildings. And as the board members get older and they start to understand it, they start to change a little as well. You know, we, to well, that. looking at some of this, the, the, the numbers mm-hmm. I talked about, looking at the the development projects, the median is $2 million um, for the new new construction projects in Manhattan. However, the resale is at 950. That's the co-op market on the resale. And um, I think that the Central Park West, Park Avenue, Fifth Avenue buildings are in a great struggle to continue to have their homes be in, to increase in value. So the buildings that don't allow washer and dryers, the buildings that don't allow wet over dry. So if somebody is, or there are buildings on Park Avenue that don't allow two individuals, an individual to buy two apartments and combine it because they don't want them to have voting power in the board. That's just insane. Well, you know, the, and we talk about this in the, the co-op scenario for the, the listeners out there around the world who don't understand, we have very strict rules in co-op buildings here in New York City and run by you know, boards, as we just talked about. So It's like joining a country club. It's unbelievable. It's, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you know, and, and not always so good. But I, I'm going through a wet over dry scenario right now, and it's become a very heated situation on the east side. And, you know, I don't know that they're going to win. We're, we're combining two apartments yes. and blah, blah. I don't think they're going to win, but, you know, it's everybody digs in and everybody, you know, stands for what they stand for. And, you know, I keep saying, let's have a plan B if they say you can't do this. They want to add a powder room. Have a plan B. The truth is the technology is there. Of course it is. And if you are thoughtful and innovative and respectful, there are solutions to help increase values for everyone's homes. Well, the, here, you're right, and 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 you're 100% right on that one. And but but again, they dig in these board members. But what I have always seen in my in my 15 years of of selling real estate in New York City and predominantly co-ops, it's like okay, you're on the board, and it's like you are king or queen of your castle. I mean, they take these jobs so. Seriously, it's an opportunity well, for a moment of power. It's exactly it is, but actually, I was taught many, many years ago, and I've seen this in volunteer any volunteer organization, whether it be one of faith or one of something secular or a co-op board. There are three kinds of people that are on boards. There is the person who believes so passionately about the building, wants to do the absolute best for it. That's ten percent. Then there's the person who has nothing going on in their lives. They might be retired. They might be a stay-at-home mom who's all kids, all their kids went to school and they really don't want to work. But they're going to help out the building and they're going to Google everything. Mm-hmm. So that's about 40% of the people on boards. Well, thank God and for Google. That's true, but they're not always correct. You know? uh, Do we believe everything we read on the internet? No. no. <laughs> so well. and the last one is the person who unfortunately does not have... In his his or her own mind, power at home, power at their office, power anywhere in their life. And it's usually in their own mind. And they're the ones that are the biggest problems on these boards. 
All right, I have to leave it there. That is our show for this week. Thanks for joining us. You can watch the show anytime on podcast or on our website, voiceamerica.com or vincerocco.com. For all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. 